welcome to another edition of the Giants Net Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast by fans for fans, where all the content is absolutely free, coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. I'm your host tonight, Ryan Archer. As always, guys, we'd encourage you to get onto the Giants Net website and check out our forums for all your latest Rangers news and discussion. I'm pleased to say that we've now sur- surpassed 6,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. But as always, we'd ask that you continue to share the pod on social media, spread the word, tell your friends and family, and if you're not one of the 6,000 subscribers, please subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Before I introduce my two guests for tonight, there's a couple of things I need to mention. Firstly, I'd like to give another shout out to our partners over at Forest Precision Engineering. They're a Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for a number of years. We're delighted to have them supporting the pod. If you want more information about them, please visit their website at www.forestprecisioneng.com. They also have a stunning executive lounge in the Ibrox main stand. And for more information on that, please email the club at hospitality, hospitality at rangers.co.uk. I'd also like to give a special mention to the Ibrox food collection. Yeah, they will be taking donations before this weekend's match at the Ibrox subway between 1.30 and 2.45, so just before kickoff. They're looking for non-perishable food items and toiletries to distribute to food banks in the Glasgow area. We know times are tough, guys, but we'd ask that if you're able to, please give generously. It's all for a great cause. Right, now to bring in my guests. Firstly, I'm joined by the status guru himself, Alex Anderson. How are you doing, Alex? Hey, I am not bad, so I'm not bad yourself. Yeah, I'm doing good, doing good. It's uh, pretty bad considering... Uh, you know, it's, it's actually been quite a good week. You, you think about the fact that I'm a bit of tonsillitis, you know, but uh, Rangers gave me absolutely zero to shout about uh, last Sunday up the back of the old uh, the main stand top deck, and uh, you know, get your you know twenty percent off uh, molten brown offer through for for my gels. That was quite good, seventy percent off uh, the kits and all that. So I'm just been having a wee soak with my Monaco style away kit. You know, getting my getting my soak on and my socks on. Uh, yeah, and of course there's no. VAR controversy this week where I'm allowed to talk about the football so ah, it's just it's been a cracking week yeah, mate just nothing nothing went wrong at all been smashing did you have a nice time in Jersey? Yeah it was good yeah I um, got to watch the game and I uh, definitely had nothing to complain about on this one <laughs> Also joining us tonight is Craig Ray and it should be noted that Craig actually made a special request to join tonight's pod he wanted to show off his new barnet, so feel free to leave your comments <laughs> on his new hairstyle. Big, aside from the new Jedward-like haircut, how you doing? God's sake, this week's getting worse and worse and worse. First Sunday now compared to Jedward. Um, <laughs> do you know what, I'm actually alright, but I feel as the night progresses, I'll probably feel progressively and progressively worse until we get to the point where we realise that we play uh, Kilmarnock at home tomorrow, which could possibly be worse than getting beat off Celtic in a League Cup final, because everybody just hates playing Kelly. Um, it's just one of the fixtures. Um, no, I mean, I know it was meant to be used to tonight, but I just thought I just thought I would impose myself, you know, come on, play with 12 men. It's a shame we couldn't do that on Sunday. And, you know, the Celtic fans were, would have moaned about it anyway, but... You know, you're the you're the Nicholas happen. Raskin tonight, mate. That's I, I'm doing the Lundstrom. I'm I'm totally unhealthy. I should I shouldn't <laughs> be on the park at all. But I just wish you brought some of that here. You get rid of that kind of patched up here. You know, well, go, go to take take a trip to Istanbul. You can get one of the transplants. Like That's true. <laughs> get the teeth done as well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Right, I'm afraid I'm not about you to make you feel any better straight away. 
Um, because we need to start by looking back at last Sunday. Um, as is to be expected, after a defeat in Oldham, an Old Firm Cup final, there's been a lot of noise both online and in the media um, about the game. Alex, I want to come to you first. Now that you've had some time to reflect on the game, has your opinions or thoughts changed in terms of where things went wrong on the day for Rangers? On the day, no. Not I, I I felt at the time we, we looked... Um, well, I said a half yard, but then uh, John Lundstrom uh, today uh, yesterday said it was a yard. We looked a yard off it. Um, so I know that was probably suddenly that became the worst interview ever given by anybody in the face of humanity. Um, Lundstrom's getting kind of hung out to dry. Somebody was going to have to get it. I think Bill was getting it as well after the interview yesterday. Uh, no, not not in terms of the actual game, mate. It just looked like uh, Celtic were everything that Celtic actually are, which is more organised than us. Um, they've got a, a more kind of consistent vision in terms of their transfer system because they were the same guy in place uh, since the beginning of last season. They were all the transfer windows with one guy uh, telling them what he wants and getting what he wants. Ange Ball was, it was the most apparent. I don't, you know, ever since 2012, I've been a, a tad bitter about the rest of Scottish football. It used to be I would watch anybody playing football in the telly, including Celtic, uh, if I was near a Rangers game. I don't watch a lot of them. I really only see them uh, when they're playing us, but I could see it. I, had that. I was up the back in the main stand, up the, the top tier, the main stand, that we kind of lip that comes round over the old kind of section jai. Um, it used to be in the old, the old Rangers end. And you're basically kind of looking for behind the goals right up the park. It's, it's not a very intimate view, but it's a, really, it's a fantastic view of the, of the game. And it was just, I know it's easy to play the game for the stands, they always say, but you could just see the space in behind Celtic all the time that we were completely incapable uh, of exploiting. And that's even with, Ryan Kent and Fashion Sakala. It's not like it's all about Alfie uh, being totally unfit and, and, and unfast. We just were off it. Um, we'll be, it's no a great surprise, as, as the boys were saying last last Sunday's pod, the instant kind of reaction. You know, we've been starting games slowly. Um, that's, and apart from anything else, that's, I think, what, the fifth old firm game in the bounce where we lost the first goal. Um, it was coming straight away. I was I, I put a cheeky wee tweet, um, a kind of facetious tweet, on Sunday morning, just saying you have to get all your hot takes in before uh, the teams get announced because everybody, there's always that thing, you know, where everybody after the game always knew it was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen, whether we won it or lost it. I tell you, we're going to, I tell you. And the, the point I was making was that it's just the nerves and the build up to an old firm game. You always think of all the worst scenarios or the best scenarios, they're all in there together. Um, but I think everybody, <laughs> quite rightly, said after the game, I can't believe we didn't start rasking. <laughs> um, I wasn't particularly blown away by it. I'm used to being that, you know, selection non sequiturs for managers in old firm games. Uh, back to 1970 League Cup final, Derek Johnson, 16 year old, getting getting picked uh, for that one by Willie Waddle at an old firm League Cup final. And I remember Walter Smith playing uh, Daniel Kuzan, you know, to get him a transfer against Celtic 2008. He did the business. You never really, you don't know what's going on in the dressing room, but um, I think. We were all a bit kind of shocked that, it was, that Raskin wasn't playing. It seems to have been uh, that that's something that cost us. But I think there was so many other players that were just below par. No, it's it, it just looks like we're a, we're a team who's had like three different kind of managers in the space of two years. And we don't have, we've got, we've got a lot of injuries. And the thing that I was left wondering about, my wee conspiracy theory, my kind of paranoia or whatever, uh, was Gio's... The, the rumours that come out when Gio left about the players no being fit enough, that Gio hadn't given them a, an, an intense enough 
um, pre-season and you saw that uh, Borna Barisic mentioned that in one of the, 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 the pre-final pressers last week he said somebody asked him what's the main difference between uh, Giovanni Van Brockhurst and Michael Beal and he said the training's more intense under Michael Beal so I think we saw that the other day and yet we only lost by one goal you know, we played half, we played maybe half an hour to 40 minutes, anything approaching uh, the way we should play. Uh, and that was enough to end up, we only lost again by one goal. So to me, the main thing was uh, lack of fitness and lack of cohesion. Um, but I didn't think we were as far away from Celtic as a lot of people are making now. It's interesting to hear you say that because, Craig, we've seen reactions online range from, you know, get rid of the whole squad to sack the board to replace Ross Wilson and everything in between. Have you found some of the reaction to be a bit over the top and do we need to be a bit more balanced in our analysis of where we are as a squad and how far we still need to go to get back to the top? Well, in answer to your, your first question, yeah, the, the reaction's always going to be over the top after these games, um, regardless of you know whether you win or lose, because if you, you win them, sometimes your reaction can be to go for the positives over the top when you be, it can go to the, the negatives of being over the top. Um I think in terms of the team, I mean, Ali mentioned there, maybe 30, 40 minutes pushing what was the Rangers' performance. I'll refer to what I tweeted on Sunday, right after the game, after finally managing to get a signal uh, in the south side of Glasgow. Um, I just wish the players turned up for more than 10 minutes because genuinely that's what it felt like coming out of that stadium. Um, looking back on it, much more than 10 minutes did we get. And proper intense performance, creating chances, wave after wave of attack. Probably not. I probably stand by what I said. Um, we were all shocked that Raskin never started. Um, I know you're, you're getting a lot of people saying, oh, in hindsight, you know, when I was in the pub, when the teams came out at 22, the whole pub, you know, turned around and went, oh my God, Raskin was not starting. That's a joke. It was actually the opposite. Well, we were, a lot of people were actually in the lineup and went, okay, well, a wee bit perplexed as to why Raskin isn't starting, but we were delighted that Tillman was starting. And I think for me, that was the big team news coming out of it, that Tillman was starting. Um, and, you know, we were looking for that that sort of creative spark from him, which, you know, obviously we didn't get. Um, but we were just way off it. We never we never started, we never got going. The goal was coming. Um, everybody around you at Hamden, I was in the West Stand, literally right behind the goal. So probably the best thing, because you can't see anything, but... Um, you know, just you could tell the goal was coming, and that goal, both goals actually that Kyogo scored, that is a Celtic goal under Ange Postecoglou. It is the same goal every time. Ball across, Kyogo's in the right place. That's uh, the Glaswegian uh, fuzz just gone past. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, but it's the same goal they score every time. It's ironically the same type of goal that we've been conceding as well. You know, out on either flank, we allow crosses to come into the box. Um, and one thing with Celtic, with their strikers, Kyogo, Joe Hart mentioned it in his interview after the game. You need to be disciplined to do what he does. His movement's incredible. Um, and, you know, all he needs is a second to, to you know, get away from either a Goldson or a Davies, um, who actually thought done okay. I know Davies in particular has been getting a wee bit of slack, but I thought both of them were, were actually pretty solid. Um you know, it was probably the balls being crossed in that we had to stop initially, but we just don't have that at Rangers. I mean, you look at Morelos, Morelos wasn't bad as such on Sunday, but we know the type of game that he likes to play, it's a rough and tumble. Um, he wasn't really involved, he manages to get his goal out of nowhere. You think that, you know, 
we've got a chance here of at least getting it in the extra time. Everything seems ramped up. We make the three changes that probably should have started the game in midfield. Um, we get a wee bit of momentum and then two minutes later he's swapping Morelos for Cholak, which I just thought was was mental. Um, so a lot of things went wrong. The manager is rightly, you know, taking a lot of slack for, for picking the team, which is right. But I think at the same time, but it's the same old story with these players. You know, we're hearing the same interviews, the same excuses. Um, I said on Sunday, and this is, I think this is quite big. This squad that's been together for what, five years or so now, they've been to four finals. I've lost three of them. But I think the worst part about losing those three finals is that we seem to find a new way of losing each of those finals. The first final against Celtic, played well, battered them, lost an offside goal, but we still should have took our chances. Second final, Frankfurt, penalty shootout after taking the lead. And then that final there on Sunday, just not showing up at all. So it's like, it's not even as if there's a consistency in the way that we're losing. We're losing in different ways. And I think when that's happening, you know, that's really telling of a squad that's that's really run its race here at Rangers, I think. And it's time to be um, moving a lot, uh, sorry, a lot of these players on in the summer. Yeah, um, it's interesting. One of the interesting points that I've heard mentioned throughout the week is that there's kind of a belief that the club is still living off the achievement of 55 in 2021. And 2021 was a long time ago. And Craig, I know you get to attend the press conferences so can I put this one to you is that a valid criticism you know I've heard Michael Beale kind of make repeated mention to his previous time at the club is there a sense that we're still looking back at you know times gone by instead of actually looking forward yeah I think so um, I really like Michael Beale I think he's a great coach obviously we're still yet to see if he'll be a great manager but I do think that in time he will be a great Rangers manager Um that was probably the first sort of red flag that you've seen under Michael Beale, I think, this week. And the more I'm, you know, thinking about it, the more I'm starting to worry and question, was Michael Beale brought in by this board to start again, have a complete rebuild? Or was he brought in to get a tune out of underperforming players whose future's sort of uncertain? Your Kamaris, your Kench, your Morelos's. Is that the reason that Michael Beale was brought in? Because I think if that's the reason that he was brought in to get a tune out of these players then there's no point. You would as well just keep in jail because we don't need Kamara rebooted. We don't need Kent rebooted. We don't need Morelos rebooted. We need them booted out the door. We don't need them rebooted. We need them away because this squad has now run its race. It's it, it's happened. It's done. It's finished. You know, I don't hold any badness or bitterness against these players. I said, and I've obviously shared it, and Frankie shared it, the article that I wrote, just before Gio got the sack in November after the St Mirren draw, I said, these players have had a very important role to play in Rangers history. They got us back to where we needed to be. They got us that league championship. But that doesn't mean to say that those same players are the people to move Rangers on and win things year in, year out, which is now where we need, we need to be. Um, so I think, unfortunately, there is a lot of sentiment towards that in the club. And you know what? It does prove that those players aren't bad players. <laughs> they're, they're, good, they're good players. I think if you compare the two squads, at, like player for player, you know, it's like flip it a coin in terms of who's better. You know, it's just the fact that we're not showing up against Celtic. And obviously we've had our, our issues with injuries and, and fitness and whatnot as well. And, you know, 
confidence being down, but that's not an excuse. That's that's on us. And I just think time and time again, these players are shown. I think that you know they were they seem to be quite content with we were in that championship a couple of years ago and, and just didn't really push forward. I'm afraid. Yeah, Alex, is that a, a sentiment you agree with in terms of the need to stop hanging on to 2021 and the achievement of 55? You know, as fans, we can look back on it and it was great, but as a club, we now sort of need to move forward and kind of look at where we need to go from here to get to where we want to be. I don't even know if it's a thing. I don't think it's just, you know, uh, one of the kind of bogus things that have been going on this week since, uh, you know, it was a bad defeat. We get beat out of Celtic, everybody hates it. Um, nobody, it's and it's become uh, actually, you're not even allowed to mention 2012 either you know it depends it, it was, I think what happens everybody everybody feels the pain in a different way um, the, the sack everybody get rid of everybody um, thing is, is is really appealing in the moment that's what I mean come you know Sunday night into Monday morning Tuesday I'm just like I'm sick of being a cheerleader I'm sick of you know, I think it happens with men of my age is your, your, your pom-poms start to get a bit wrinkly and they start to sag lower and lower and it's getting harder to lift them. I'm sick of, I'm sick of like, oh, Alfredo will get fitter. You know, he has done it before. You know, Ryan Jack will get a run of consistent games. You know, Fashion Sakala, if only he could pass, you know, if only if only he could finish, but he does a job for us because he's so fast. I'm sick of all these kind of, um, we've got the best defender and we've got the best forward player in the country, bar none. Hollander and Ruth, they've played two minutes in the last 15 years, it feels like. Um, I'm, I'm sick of all this kind of patching together bits of optimism uh, about the future and cobbling it together with, you know, what we've done uh, in the past. Um, and I'm running out of sellotape when it comes to holding together with this kind of thought, this kind of vision for the future, this kind of optimism. I, same as everybody else... Uh, want a massive, big, irrefutable piece of proof that Rangers are progressing, you know, and that seems to only come uh, in the shape of a League Cup for for so many people. Myself, I mean, I just loved. I would love the idea is win the League Cup. Obviously, it would mean we'd have the the three trophies and all that uh, for the first time since they uh, were in the, the lower leagues. Would have won all the, the three of them at least once, and that's when you start to build. On top of that, you know, dominance needs you to you need to win the things one at a time. You know, you can't win them any quicker than that. Um, but it seems that people were even saying before the League Cup final last week, I saw a few folks saying we shouldn't think winning the League Cup and having won all the trophies, you know, uh, for the first time since we come back up for the lower leagues means that, you know, that that's the end of the road. That, that we've done the job. We need to build on that. And it's like, of course, you know, what else, what else are we going to do? You know, we're, we're, we're always going forward. And then this week, it seems to have been, you know, it's not just like the first time to worry about Michael B. We, you and I, particularly Brian, we're, we're talking this more World Cup pods. We did, we also did a wee Rangers thing uh, before it, and we were also talking about how Michael B. will come across in these pressers. And it's really interesting. We're raising if we thought he talked too much, and you know, uh, was he kind of that showing he was a bit of an amateur, he wasn't up to the job or what have you. That's the first game he's lost. That's the only game he's lost. And he's won the rest of them. The thing that Steven Gerrard couldn't do in his first two seasons. Uh, in charge at Rangers with Michael Beale and his coaching team was he couldn't he, he, he got Celtic's number relatively straight away and we need to remember that Gerard was getting slagged like this when he lost his first Old Firm game at Parkhead 1-0 after he's been in you know practically Asia on the Thursday night with nine men we went to Parkhead a place where we'd lost 5 nothing in the previous game we get beat one nothing, and it was like he's a coward he didn't go for it and all that um, he, 
nobody saw the fact that he'd affected a four-goal swing. And the next time we played Celtic, we beat them. The last time we played Celtic before Michael Beale arrives, we get pumped for nothing else and going on 10 nothing at Parkhead. The two-each draw wasn't perfect in December. We had a chance to win it, which I think has been overstated. But he's affected a three a three-goal swing there. You know, if it's anybody's fault, I don't think it's Michael Beals at this particular moment in time. We can do the whole kind of, are the board up to it and blah, 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 what ambition have we got? But everybody's so focused, everybody's went mental because we haven't won the League Cup. Well, it makes it makes you think that that's quite a small thing. That's, that's the fourth most important of any trophy we're going to be competing for in any season, you would hope. We'd hope we're in Europe and we'll get the League, we'll get the Scottish Cup. So folk are saying, folk are kind of saying it's kind of small fry, the League Cup, yet no wonder it's sent them mental. So if winning the League Cup is so important, that would have made such a difference. Why is nobody realising that that's the first time we've got to two successive Cup finals? The two domestic Cup finals, one after the other, since Walter Smith's days back in like 2009. It's a wee, I'm going to Hamden a lot these days. And I used to go to Hamden, you know, from first come back up and get put out in semi-finals and what have you. And then I was going to Hamden, we're getting beaten finals. You know, we're winning a final. We're losing. We've played the exact same number of domestic games since Ange Postacoglu took over. Celtic have that may not sound like a big thing because it's all well you play the same number of league games well no two seasons before that we didn't because Celtic played one game more than us and then called the league title but we beat Celtic 2-1 at Hamden last season when we get we got to the Scottish Cup final and we won it we got to the League Cup semi-final and we lost Posta Coglu last season lost in the Scottish Cup semi-final and got to the League Cup final and won it and we've played them in this final so but exactly number of domestic games what we've done in between times is we have played 11 massive games in Europe 11 games more than Ange Postacoglu's team and we've got less money than Celtic we're less set up we're still recovering for 2012 because it's like somebody having a fucking heart attack or a stroke and you expect them to go and do a you know a marathon a week after they've had it it's absolutely you're not allowed to factor that and you're allowed to talk about 2012 because that's a cop out you know um we are still recovering. We'll be recovering for another 10 years, at least. And I think we're actually doing quite well. We're, we're, we're in real danger of refusing to notice the little improvements that we're making. That should, I mean, just losing a, a, a cup final should never be an ambition for Rangers. You know, we should be going to win every domestic trophy every season. You know, but we played five successive European group stages, which means a hell of a lot more in real terms than winning a League Cup. And one of them was the Champions League group stages. We get a record pumping, you know, but that's what's going to happen when you're the first time back. You know, in terms of infrastructure and that, it's, we're miles behind everybody else. It was a compressed Champions League. Our self-promotion, never mind who's on the board, our self-promotion as a support is absolutely woeful. I love the fact that we, we hear nothing about referees or VAR this season. I love the fact that we keep it in-house, we blame ourselves. But Jesus Christ, you know, the two, two trophies in 11 seasons, you know, I love the Union Bells. I absolutely love it. I think they're fantastic. And they, we would lose a lot more games if they boys weren't in there creating an atmosphere. That was all about a row they were having, about, you know, getting moved in the Bremlin, the survey with the board and what have you. That was a bit about that as well. But a lot of Rangers fans feel exactly the same. Two trophies in 11 years. Well, if you've got to call it 11 years, you actually have to throw in all the wee trophies, the four trophies that we don't want to talk about that we won in the lower leagues and we're way back up. You know, and there's no mention of the European group stages that we've been into and the fact that we got to a European final. Celtic lost a final in Seville after extra time in the exact same competition, you know, just been renamed. And they've, you know, got a lounge about it, films about it, it's the greatest thing that ever happened. We're actively telling each other, don't mention that, that's an excuse, we're not having that. 
we 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 actually embarrassed that we got to a European fight and we lost it on penalties. You know, I mean, that is an achievement. You know, they're getting they're getting pumped home and away by Norwegians in the last sixteen or the last thirty two the playoff. They hopefully last year, and we're beating Borussia Dortmund home and away. We're beating that's eleven extra games I'm talking about are against PSV Eindhoven. They're against Union Saint Gilles. Proper, rest of Belgrade, Braga, Leipzig, a European final that we lost on penalties. While our fans were getting totally victimised by the Guarda Seville, Celtic would have a documentary and a banner out about that. I think we need to be really careful that we're not making it so toxic at Ibrox, so ungrateful for anything that we do, and so we're so ignorant of any kind of progress that we need to be making in the way back from something that we suffered in 2012 that nobody wants to come to us, nobody wants to finance us, nobody wants to play for us. You know I mean? Of a level that will get us to where we want to be. So it's bad. But really, Michael Beale has won, what was it, 13 of the 15 games uh, he's been in charge where we've had, like, at certain stages, nay centre-halves, you know, and they're all totally unfit. And he's managing to juggle that, the fact that he's not just, he nearly came close to saying it yesterday. You know, this isn't my problem. This is the way the team were when I, when, I, when I took them over again. You know, so I think things are bad. It's really, it's it's really bad. But it's it's that whole kind of you know, folk have been talking. It's the Einstein definition of madness. You know, insanity when you start trying to do the same thing to solve the same problem and it doesn't work. And you've got the rank theoretical physicist. It's the Isaac Newton's law of motion, third law of motion. For every action, there'll be an equal and opposite reaction. We had our infrastructure ripped to us. In 2012, we were in the fourth tier of Scottish football, and it's going to take a long time to build that back up. It could have been quicker, we could have got more trophies, but in real terms, in terms of what the rest of the world thinks, we've been there for you know two or three seasons already because we're hitting Europe and we're hitting it properly. And their trophies, each of them are trophies. So for me, you can you can add the five group stages onto your two trophies, that's seven trophies, and we're getting to finals more often than we used to get to finals. That's what you have to do before you start winning what's a final. So it's bad. But it's not in any way a, a disaster yet. And we need to kind of screw our courage to the sticking place and, and see how Bill gets on towards the end of the season, see how, see how he does with the rest of the season uh, before we throw the kind of baby out with the bathwater. I have got to say sorry before, um, I mean, Brian, I mean, some of the action by some people has been completely, completely over the top. Um, and there's this term that's been thrown about the last sort of wee while, this whole serial losers, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I said earlier? I think this squad has run its race, but I think you know you can't be serial losers if you've just went if you've went and won a league unbeaten. And I know that was two years ago, and you might think, oh, we're looking at the past, blah blah blah. But you, you can't be a serial loser if you've done that. You can't. And people as well saying the European run papers over the cracks. I don't buy that argument as well because. It wasn't like 2008 when we got to that Europa League final last year where we were putting 15 men behind the ball and defending for our lives. We went out and we battled every team on our way to Seville. We outscored them. So we were there on merit. We deserved to be in that final. It um, seems to be a parallel universe. It seems to be like, yeah. you're right, Craig, it seems to have operated in a kind of parallel universe where I could have sworn that I was having the greatest, most sensational experience of my entire life last season as a Rangers supporter, culminating in that game against Leipzig at Ibrox, people were crying. Grown men were crying. It was absolutely magical. And yet, we didn't win the League Cup, so it's a disaster. I don't really get how the two of them tally up. I I think, I personally suspect, it's um, because I'm in a lucky situation. I work from home. I know what it's like to work beside mad Celtic fans. 
think folk are getting it, but they're believing <laughs> these Celtic memes. You were lucky to get to a European final. That's no. Do you think it's going to change if we actually had won? If we'd won the League Cup last week or if we'd won the Europa League? That's, they would tell you we're lucky to win the Europa League. You only won it in penalties. There's, the, they're not going to change the minds of Celtic fans who are like that. Just as Celtic fans are going to change the mind of Rangers fans who undermine all their achievements. I only won four consecutive trebles because we get, you know, we'd been liquidated. Um, it's. I think we need to kind of look at ourselves, look more clearly at what we're doing and no see it. It's really difficult. Don't get me wrong. I was you know, sick to your back teeth every time you have to play Celtic, never mind lose to them. But I think we need to, uh, as I say, scrub our courage to stick in place and just kind of see it, look at Rangers and look at how we're progressing. It's still no good enough. Aye. But my, to make it that we've had nothing from them other than the best league title of my total life as well, you know, even the, the best campaign, with the significance of that league title win is, is, is off the scale, obviously. But the way they did it was mm -hmm. utterly magical. And Goldson and Tavier have been getting it tight all week. That's a misunderstanding of how the game went last week. But they two guys at the core of the British defensive record that they set just like less than two years ago. So it's not, you know, I, I don't even think in terms of clearing out the squad, it's, it's as simple as that. We need a lot of changes, but uh, you're right, mate. It's, it's folk are kind of, it's as if Europe never happened because I need to tell the boy at my work that I, I we pumped you at hand yesterday. I get that. It's a nightmare. You know, it's, it's it's tough to have folk like that in your face. But we need to, we've been through much worse than uh, than losing the League Cup final with that mob. No, we have been. I just, um, as some, as some of the reactions have been over the top. Now you're seeing grown men reply to every tweet that Rangers put with like a big cross through Stuart Robertson and, and Ross Wilson's face. Now, I'm, I'm all for criticism of the board sometimes, right? Uh, you know, I mean, for goodness sake, you're a grown men. I mean, we've you know, there's a lot of fans here that have turned into what Celtic turned into, you know, in season 2020, 2021, because for three months, all you seen was Neil Lennon's face and a, a red line through it. I just think people people do need to get perspective. We can sit here and we can have an actual discussion about where the squad is, where the club is, and people talking about protests. I, I just wanted to touch on that because a lot of people have been saying as well, you know, we need to protest, we need to do this, you know. Look at what happened um, last year with the, the Australia friendly. We protested and, you know, it never went ahead. Well, first and foremost, the reason that Rangers never went ahead with the Australia friendly was nothing to do with the fact that people sung um, some songs that they shouldn't have been singing at St. Johnson or from tennis balls on the pitch. It was because of the PR disaster that it caused Rangers in terms of the whole Postacoglu homecoming thing, which came as a result of Celtic leaking the fact that this tour was going to happen. Rangers believe that there was a loophole in that contract because Celtic leaked it to get them to pull out. And obviously that's still ongoing, so we'll see what happened. But it was the protests that got that. And that's one thing that I'm kind of worried about going forward. Tomorrow, I'm going to Easter Road on Wednesday. I can only imagine what that's going to be like, especially if we don't get, you know, a comfortable one tomorrow. And it needs to be a comfortable one. You know, if we just go out and win 1-0 tomorrow, people are still going to be raging. Even if we win 10-0 tomorrow, people are still going to be raging. Token gesture. Aye. Aye. But I mean, it's just, I, I think, do you know what? If, if, if fans want to, you know, have discussions and protest and all that, I'm not going to sit here and tell people what they can and can't do, but there's ways to go about it. Do you know what I mean? If, if you're that concerned and that worried, by all means, do that. But, you're not going to get a response at the board by sending in a picture of Stuart Robertson with a, a cross through his head. <laughs> I, I, sorry, Brian, I, I, just, I just need to say one more thing, Craig's absolutely spot on there, just taking a, so I don't make it like I'm acting the big guy. I, I get that I am processing my anger about last Sunday 
I think it goes two ways. You either come out and you start ranting and raving at the board and all the players and everybody's got to go and we've got to find scapegoats at Ibrox. Or, and I think I did exactly this, what my thing is, is they guys are overreacting. And I started having to go at other Rangers fans for overreacting. It's, but I'm just expressing the same anger that I feel uh, about Sunday as well. And I get why people are thinking we have to be kind of hyperactive, super militant and all that. And I think it's I think it's a hangover from what we did need to do in 2012. And I'm the world's worst for that. I thought David Murray was God and what have you. Um, I, stuck, I stuck by him for far too long. And so I, I get that people now are like ultra ready to pounce on any any kind of, they see any problem with the board, they want to get in there. But I just don't feel as if that, that, that that's the problem just now. And by the way, the Rangers team and manager are on their own tomorrow. Um, they need to get stress tested like this. Bill needs to get this kind of stress test. Obviously, I've been cheerleading from all last week and what have you. He's on his own tomorrow. I'm not saying I'm out there rabidly defending them, but just like if I dis- if I don't have a lot of time for Hibs or somebody who we're having a minute's applause for, you know, I, have, I just don't applaud, you know, or I applaud very slowly rather than sing a sectarian song through the minute's applause for the guy. Um, I don't go out there and boo and attack the team no more. I'll just sit there and no back them vocally. I'll just wait and see what happens. I think that's what we maybe need to do. Maybe we need to rein it in a wee bit, as Craig's saying. Yeah, no, it's good to hear that not everybody wants to burn everything to the ground. Um, <laughs> now, well, yeah, we've, no, we've no had the game no more, so... Well, okay, let's wait, let's wait and see. Give that time, give that time. <laughs> I suppose I might speak too soon there. Now, a bit of breaking news throughout the week. Um, James Sands' loan spell has been cut short. He's returned to New York City. Um, a couple of things on this that I wanted to touch on. Is this a sign of ruthlessness from Michael Beal in terms of this is a player that a lot of fans believe just wasn't good enough to... Michael Rangers, so is this maybe the kind of first marker of this rebuild that we keep hearing about um, in terms of the summer and maybe getting players out that he deems not to be good enough and not maybe settling for players just or squad fillers? Um, Alex? I'm worried it's maybe a bit of token ruthlessness. You know, I'm worried that it's the timing of it seems seems weird. I, mean, I don't. Craig probably he's going to involve more with these things, uh, the pressers and what have you. Maybe it was part of the deal or something. Like that, something I've no read about because I've been too busy uh, getting my twenty percent off Milton Brown uh, purchases this week. It's I, I would hate the idea that James Sands had to go now because you know Rangers have been you know taking the kind of the temperature of the Rangers support at large. It's like they want to clear it right. Well, let's let's get some rid of somebody uh, straight away. But I mean, I. I James Sands a lovely fella and an absolute professional who definitely was giving it his all and that was the problem. He was clearly giving it his all and it really wasn't it really wasn't good enough. But he, I mean he, he goes with my thanks um because the way he stepped in, you know, it wasn't good enough and it led to his uh, losing games that basically that game against Napoli, he really did get there as far as fast as he could, you know, um when he gets sent off against Napoli. He was he started I think he's also came to the Angels at a bad time. Plus, he's also he scored the goal his last his last game. He scored the goal against Partick Thistle that keeps us. I mean, we're best chance of a, a trophy uh, this season. Um, he won his that game in the, in, in the Scottish Cup. But I just I feel as if it might look like a kind of facsimile of clearing it the deadwood. As if you know, I, I quick glimpse through the Twitter replies to all the Rangers stuff that Craig's talking about, all the stuff we put out this week. They say, oh, they went with everybody. You know, the Rangers board are saying, so let's we'll, we'll get we'll get rid of Sands because that's a, that's an easy one. Um, it was a, he's a, he's a decent, he's a, he's a decent player. Um, I think at his own level, but it wasn't, it wasn't at Rangers level. There was a lot of people defending him, saying, oh, he's, a, he's, you know, he's, 
he's actually a centre half. He's actually a midfielder and he's playing at centre half and what have you. And people saying, oh, he's good at playing the, the ball out for the back and what have you. But like, I mean, the best game he had for me was against Dundee in the Scottish Cup last season. He played the full game and he was with a, with a good performance. I think one three nothing, really good performance. Um, and he played really well, but he was doing a lot of slide tackles. He was winning a lot of 50 50s that anybody else, they wouldn't have been slide tackles. They would just been taking the ball off the toes or, or whoever. Um, he was having to put a lot more into it than a, a better player would have. He come on a, a bad time, I think, to arrive at Rangers. His very first game was when it started cracking under Gio. It was that 1 1 drop at Pataudry. Then he kind of gets subbed off the next game for Scotty Arfield against Livingston at Ibrox when Scotty Arfield then scores the late winner. And then I think he's kind of dropped for the game at, at Ross County and, uh, and he's, he's out the picture when we get beat 3 nothing off Celtic uh, on last day, last February under Gio. But I don't think it really picked up uh, for James Sands. And I'm sorry to see that the, the fella had to go. You know, he's, he's a, a lovely fella and a, a real professional. But I think it was, I think it was right that he went. As I say, I just hope it's no some sort of token gesture uh, towards this burn the whole place down thing that's going just now with the support. Aye, I mean, I, I think with Sands, in terms of the way that the departure was happening, I think it's something that's probably in the pipeline for a couple of weeks. It's kind of like a, a mutual thing because this is coinciding with the start of the MLS season as well. So ah. it might have been a, it might even have just been a case of James Sands saying to the manager, look, are you going to sign me? Are you not going to sign me? If you're not going to sign me, you're not really playing me. Can I just go back? Because it means I'll get to have a pre-season with New York and... You know, we can just just go like that, and it was probably a deal worked out where you know we don't need to pay like an early termination fee. I'm acting as if he's like a, a phone contract for phones for you, like our phone records. <laughs> but you know, I think I think it was just yeah. something that happened mutually, and I think it probably was going to happen anyway. Um, I did find it interesting as well because I kind of felt that it was weird with Sands because you know. Leon King is someone who has not played one minute at all. He's not made one appearance since Michael Beals came in. And I was shocked that Sands started the head of him at centre-back against Fissle. I thought that King would have been in for that one. So a part of me was thinking that when Sands was going away, I'm going, well, technically he's our third-choice centre-back because, you know, Michael Beals isn't playing Leon King, so he's obviously the fourth-choice at the moment. So then I went, well, surely that means that we're going to have either Hollander or Suter coming back and Lo and behold, so it's supposed to supposed to be in the squad tomorrow. So I think that's all just kinda came together in the timing and it just wow. went, aye, thanks. And do you know what I thought I thought Sands got a bit a bit too much flack off people. It's always the same, I think, we you know, we fans of big clubs, Rangers fans especially, it's like when you, you lose a big game and you lose heavily, whatever, you always go for what you perceive to be the weak point or the weak person in the team. Because James Sands, he's not going to be the type of guy, he's not going to be an Alfredo Morelos that gives it to the crowd or gives it back or anything like that. You know, James Sands looks like, you know, quite a timid guy, but no gallus or anything like that. He's probably just going to sit back and, and take take the, the abuse that he's going to get. So they've done the same with Barisic as well, to be honest. Um, they just think, oh, he's not going to do anything. So even if we, we get beaten, it's not his fault. We're just going to abuse Barisic and it's his fault that we get beat. Um, I thought he get played out of position. He was put in a really, a really tough choice. Ironically, every time he played in the midfield, I can't tell you a bad game that he had. If you remember one of Gio's last games, we were at home to Aberdeen, the 4-1 game. He played as a sitter. Lundstrom played in front of him. He was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. He was brilliant away at PSV. I was there in Eindhoven that night. He was amazing. Um, so was Glenn Kamara. Well, it, aye, aye, that's a good point. Um, but no, it's just, just one of the ones, you know. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing, mate. I'm not, probably, I'm not not up, probably not up to 
the standard that we need. And I think the money that they were reportedly supposed to be, you know, have them for a, a permanent was probably a bit too much for, for the guy's ability. But it's one of the ones you shake his hand, you move on. Thanks for your service. And that's it. What? I'll come to you on this one. What did you make of the model used to sign Sands? It was almost a try before you buy. Now, it obviously didn't work in this case in terms of Sands, the player, but in terms of that model, is that something you think we should use in the future? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the model that we shouldn't be using in the future is the one from last January, well, with with the exception of Sands, obviously, but Jalo and Ramsey, you know, two loan signings. Rangers shouldn't be making loan signings basically to, you know, prop up Man United or Chelsea or, or, or whoever. Rangers should only be making loan signings because, you know, we're short in a position and we desperately need cover for a position and it's a quick fix. Either that or we're doing it with a view to buying it. We've got the same sort of deal with Tillman and Bayern at the, uh, at the moment. Um, hopefully that goes ahead. Um Apparently the money's there for it was there for both Sands and Tillman supposedly. So, you know, I'd be quite happy to sign Tillman and put the money that they will be put towards Stands towards upgrading other areas of the squad. Um but I think that is the model that we should be going down if, you know, if we're looking at signing and I know Sands hasn't came for like a, a massive club or anything like that, but I I tried before you buy that's nothing you know, we've not lost anything out of Sands, put it yes. that way. You know, we've not gained anything, but we've not lost anything either. So it's one of those risk-free moves. Um, if we can do it in the future, preferably with players of Tillman's ability, at clubs like Bayern, Man U, blah, 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 blah. I'm all, I'm all for it because we need we need to explore different ways of recruitment. Um, you know, we can't just keep throwing money at everything um, and just, you know, expecting everything to gel together this and the next thing it just doesn't work like that so I think if we can find cost effective ways of, of getting deals done then for me it's only a positive Brian yeah no definitely now HP Match Press Conference Bill spoke about this being a summer of change I think he mentioned it a few times that word change um, Alex what do you think this summer of change should look like in terms of the playing squad and off the field how how big a, re, a rebuilding job we have on our hands this summer? I think it's absolutely massive to, to, to get Alfredo, to get a couple of stone off him. It's just going to be the biggest project, I think, uh, in, the, in the history of this football club. Uh, Celtic got all the Japanese players, but uh, we, we, we've got the sumo. He's absolutely brilliant winning the physical battles last week. It was just the fact that the whole game had to stop for him to have a physical battle. You know, it just needs to bring somebody. Carter Vickers, Celtic have got like Carter Vickers and uh, Starfield, I think, apart Joe Hart, I suppose. They're kind of two big players, and uh, Alfredo's the, the size of the two of them put together. Um, and he was he was able to kind of bundle Carter Rickers after the ball when he had to. Um, and it's that kind of thing I was talking about earlier that sums up how I don't know. This is for the the definite types, you know the uh, the kind of I know what's going to happen here. I, I feel as if I'm watching Alfredo and I'm thinking, well, you've scored a goal there, even though you've had a bad game and blah, blah, blah. And Celtic just let the ball go right across their six-yard box. It wasn't a, a Barisic laser cross, the same as Celtic's two goals were embarrassing from your point of view, right across the six-yard box. I don't think we're that bad that, that far after them, but I'm sick of hoping you know, that like Sir Alfie is going to suddenly turn around and, and have the attitude to step up a gear. Um, Ryan Kent, likewise, you know, I... It looks like, you know, Glenn Kamara left ages ago. What do you mean facetious? I was making that point about Glenn Kamara and, and Glenn Kamara is one of the, watching him has been an absolute privilege for me. 
last couple of years. He's been absolutely fantastic to watch. Hell of a fella. One of the most emotional goals of my life when he scored against uh, Leipzig. Um, he's just not been at it this season in a way that looks like, as everybody's saying, he just wants to go. He thought he was going to go, maybe, and he's kind of floating in and out. Um, he was the one I was surprised about last Sunday. I thought maybe it, it was... I, th- I thought Kamara was going to be the... Raskin was a definite, and it was he might be thinking about playing him alongside him instead of Jack uh, or, or Lundstrom, you know, because I thought we well, actually played two successive games in a row beside Raskin Kamara. I thought he might uh, that would be the only surprise selection in the mid- in midfield. And I think it turned out that Cantwell Cantwell should probably have started instead of Tillman, but there's no way we'd have let that happen. You couldn't know that Tillman's going to take a knock to add his to add his the knock that he had. Um. So basically, I'm in a situation where I'm looking at this whole squad and I can see there's a, there could be a player in there. There's been a player in there, but <laughs> it's just not certain enough. And it's tempting to do that thing of going, you know, it would be bill ball for us, just bring in a lot of guys of a level who are going to run the rotations, they're going to do what they're tell, they're going to be physically available every week. And they'll play at a certain level, and we can we can get as drilled as Celtic. It's never it's never good when you've got one rival, one person who's above you to, to imitate their system. I don't I don't really think that we should, but it's tempting to do that, have a clear out all, all this stuff. But I don't think we can call the likes of Kent Deadwood. I don't think you know it's just no performing as well as we want them to all the time. And there's, there's very few players who do. I I really don't know what, what, it, what it's going to look like uh, if I'm honest, Brian. But I think it sounds like Michael Beale. Again, I'm trying to read between the lines here, and he gives you a lot of lines to read between. He is wanting to make big change. I think he's really upset with a lot of the stuff that he's got here uh, just now. But it might, as Craig was saying earlier, it might also be that he's there to get the best out of the best of the old band. You know, the the uh, the Stephen Gerrard era, the, the, the guys that um, they kind of did 55 and what have you. So I, I really don't know. I, I hope we keep Golds and I hope we keep Tav, which is majorly controversial uh, these days. But I, I really don't know. But I think there's definitely going to be a, a lot of outs and a lot of ins. But other than Glenn Kamara and probably Borna, I wouldn't want to start naming too many because I just get it totally right. <laughs> hey, for all the talk in the summer, in terms of the eyes of the fans, does Bill need a bit of credit in the bank now? I mean, if you look at you know, when we get to the summer, it doesn't. It's not a complete reset. We don't forget everything that came before. And I'm thinking about we seen it when Pedro came in. He came in mid-season. He didn't have really get any credit in the bank in those months, and then it kind of affected our perception of him in the season that followed and the confidence in him. Are we potentially in danger of seeing a repeat of that if we don't get you know at least one thing to hang our hat off in terms of? You know, either either that be victories over Celtic or a Scottish Cup. I think we are. Um, that doesn't mean to say that my personal opinion is that if we don't do all of those things, that you know, Michael Beale should be on a hiding turn off in this season because I don't think that. But realistically, that that is what's going to happen. Um, I said when Beale came in that you know, if you look to last season, obviously Gio came in. Um, he did get us to the Europa League final, win the Scottish Cup, but you felt that he had to do one of either win the Europa League or win the league once we got to the final, obviously, in order to go into the season with some real credit in the bank. Like, because for a lot of fans, just getting to the Europa League final wasn't enough credit in the bank for Gio in terms of you know giving him the chance to do what he had to do with with his players and whatnot. And then you seen that as soon as we get one bad result. The game away at Celtic, Scatlegum was out. 
you know, we should be doing this, we should be doing that, he shouldn't be in, uh, in the job. My fear is if Michael Beale doesn't get, you know, victories over Celtic, doesn't win the Scottish Cup, you're going to see that happen at the start of next season if we don't get off to a flyer. Um, that's not to say that I hope, you know, I think that should happen, but I think realistically we know we know the script here. It's something that I've actually seen in the last few months. Um, you know, so it's... <sighs> It's it's something that you hope just just doesn't happen. We we want that. Eck was talking about it. Earlier, that tangible sign of pro progress. You know, if we've got Celtic away at Celtic Park, obviously the next Old Firm game in what a month. If Bill goes there and wins that, might not change outcome in the league. Let's face it, probably won't. But it's something that we've not done for a while. After getting beat three 0 four 0 battered at Celtic Park the last two times, if you can go there and win get a victory, then it gives you something to go into that next season. It gives you a bit of belief that not only can you beat them, but you're not getting those hidings at Celtic Park again. We've seen it when Walter came back. You know, first game against Celtic, Big Ugo Egeog scores that overhead kick. That was like a sign of, you know, right, Walter's back, we're not messing about here anymore. We obviously get the victory over them later on that season. Then that inspired us on to the following season where we got to Manchester and, you know, we would have won the league if we never got to the UEFA Cup final and then three in a row, etc, etc. So, you know, I think we need we need something big from Bill because I just, I do feel that if we don't get that, I won't personally, but a lot of fans will be on his back and then you're back at square one. Can you imagine... Let's say worst case scenario, Celtic grow their lead, you know, it goes to 10, 11, 12 points. We don't win the Scottish Cup, Celtic win a treble. If we start next season, we win our first three games and then the last week of August, first week of September, we get beat off Celtic at Ibrox. can guarantee you that there'll, there'll be a ton of fans doing exactly with Bill is what they've done with Gio, especially with a transfer window on them. So, you know, I think realistically for him, and I think he knows that as well, He's going to have to show tangible signs of pro um, a progress, whether that be... I, I think for me personally, he needs to win a trophy. You know, it could have been on Sunday. Um, ideally, it would have been like to have won at least two, but obviously we've really only got the one now to focus on. For me, he now needs to win the Scottish Cup and, you know, pull the gap back on Celtic a wee bit. It's completely unrealistic to come in and expect him to win the league. And he's done pretty much everything expected of him in terms of the league apart from that, that game against Celtic, in which he made mistakes. I felt the subs that he made towards the end of were mistakes, but he's new to it. He's going to make mistakes. I think, obviously, at the weekend, he made mistakes, but you just hope that he learns from it. I don't want to be all over-hypercritical on the manager because I think he's great. I think he's a fantastic coach. He improves players. You, you see him, you know, on the training ground with these players every day. His role in that sense hasn't really changed from the last time. And I think that's quite rare in football nowadays, especially at a big club. You know, do you see um, a Jurgen Klopp going out on the, the training pitch at Melwood and actually training, you know, individual players, telling them, oh, Salah, do this, do that, and I'll improve you. You know, it's all about the man management and stuff like that. Michael Beale is on the pitch with these guys every day, training them. You know, it's just whether they've got it up there. And another thing about Michael Beale, obviously you mentioned the press conferences there. It touched on it earlier about, you know, 
he says too much compared to Gio says too little. You're, you've got your fans that have got the you know the scatter going out again. I personally think it's a good thing because Michael Beale is just a normal guy that likes his football and likes talking about it. Um, you know, so he he loves his job. He's got a passion for it. He loves doing what he's doing, and he's he's raw. He's real. You know, everything that Michael Beale says, he means. He might do what I do a lot of the time, and that is laugh on and ramble absolute crap, right? But he's coming for a good place, and I would much rather have a manager like that, that, you know, he's coming for a good place, he's saying what he means from the heart, um, than one that's kind of, you know, uh, very, very, you know, whiffer and stuff like that, which I'm not saying that Gio was, because I think Gio was quite honest, but he was obviously more, more secretive about things. Maybe in the future you will see Michael Beale be a wee bit more, you know, inward looking, so to speak, in terms of stuff that he gives away. But to be honest, I don't, I don't really think that Michael Beale's gave that much away, you know. In terms, like, what what has he said that that you wouldn't have wanted him to say? I know, obviously, you've, you've got the comments that he made about, you know, spending money and stuff like that this week. But that's really just something that he's saying in conversation. He's not, he's not giving away his tactics. He's not giving away his secret, like the secrets of the trade. He's just talking about football, and you know, I think in that respect, a lot of people need to lay off his back. You know, and people saying, "Oh, he needs three media trained and all that." What? Why? Why? Because you want him to come out and say the exact same things that managers say all the time. For me, he is though. He is media trained. He's no, very, exactly. He's very smooth. Of course, he will be. He's, actually, he's smooth within himself. And I think the thing we noticed the other week uh, with the press conferences before the Celtic when they had, you know, him and. Uh, Postacoglu doing the kind of prize fighter yeah. thing they're, they're up against each other because it's two managers who sound like they're trying to impersonate their own idea of what they are as a manager mm -hmm. um, and they're not quite there yet and Michael Beale needed that, that trophy to get him was there but Postacoglu is ready to crack he's talked for the exact same amount of time as Michael Beale you know, maybe, yeah. maybe a few seconds this I sat and that's how pathetic it was last week I timed it the both, both their, their, their rambles in the Viaplay League Cup final. And I'm getting to that point where I'm thinking with Michael Beale, you, you, you can't, he's no pretentious, you can't do that thing where you try to impersonate somebody else. Michael Beale's just, it's when he tries to actually say nothing, that that's the one thing, it, it, it doesn't look right. And he, and he was embarrassed about, he, he said something yesterday about, oh, players are suddenly, you know, no injured, up, come up to a cup final. And he went, I meant that tongue in cheek, you know. Because um, he's suddenly realising, it sounds like he's having to go to his squad for feigning injury. Um, he does be things like that every now and then, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm watching it really closely. I'm not sure that it's no actually wee bombs, wee grenades that he's dropping in there, and he's doing it within his own personality. He's yeah. doing, he's learning. Just be like you're saying, Craig. Just be yourself. You're a chatty guy. You love your fit, but you love your stats. This Michael Beale I'm talking about. So just go there and just say, just say well, what so you as well. <laughs> exactly. So, so, sorry, I mate. You know, and and he just he's he's putting wee things in there. I thought last week, um, trying to trying to push Postacoglu. And Postacoglu ended that press conference last uh, last Tuesday, giving it. Well, I've been in the game, you know, twenty odd years. I've been a manager for twenty odd years. I think I know what I'm talking about. And thought, I thought, oh yeah, you're actually getting a wee bit rattled here. I don't think it would take a lot. Um, it would just take beating them once would actually help. But uh, I think I think Michael Beale has been really interesting watching pressers, and I definitely thought it was a, such a culture clash. As you say, from Van Bronckhorst, who was totally taciturn, kept it all to himself, and we could just go, "Oh, by the way, roofs it for a year, roofs it for a year." You know, just throw that in at the end, and you're like, "What?" Whereas Bill just talks and talks and talks, but I think he throws wee things in there um, yeah. that are definitely meant. To, he's, he's a lot. He's coming on a lot, a lot better than than maybe a lot of people give him credit for. But this is the problem: the minute you don't win, 
a trophy. The minute you have a kind of setback, um, the, the, the louder elements of the Rangers support hate. Everything you do is twisted to be used against you. Like you're talking about having a go at Barisic. You know, we get the whole thing with, with Tavernier. He's no vault, he's no allowed kind of screaming captain. He wouldn't inspire anybody. And you just look at the goals he scored last year in Europe and stepping up and taking the first penalty in the shootout. And also the fact that we're hearing last week, I watched I watched the game back for my sons uh, when I come back. Uh, well, I watched it on Monday. And they're talking about Callum McGregor and all the trophies he's won, what we should be winning. He's no a talker. The Celtic captain's not a talker either. Yeah. You don't get big. You don't get these guys these days. It's a different game. Yeah. You know, it's a very serious game. There's different ways to lead. It, it, it depends entirely on the individual person. The whole. That's the it. Whole but if it's no working, well. if you're getting beat, if your team's not winning yeah. trophies, it's it's all a bad thing. But I think you're you're, you're spot on about view. I mean, the, the the whole Tav stuff as well. Like, I mean, I just love. I mean, we must be the only club in the world that um, moan about the timing of a Hall of Fame ceremony. Not even the Hall of Fame ceremony or who's getting put in it. I mean, obviously we're going to moan about who's in it anyway, but the timing of it as well. The fact that people come out and say, ah, you know, I, I like Tav, he probably has a legend, he probably does his LV space in there, but the timing was just terrible. It's like, you're just looking for something to moan at. And if we, don't, if we don't have trophies, if we're no winning trophies, what, what better way of boosting the guy's confidence than, than telling him he's a, a Rangers Hall of Famer? There's been four Rangers captains have led us to European finals and he's one of them and probably the most remarkable European, considering where Scotland is in terms of yeah. the European coefficient, that what Tav did to get us to that European final, and leading by example, scoring in every game at Ibrox in that post-Christmas run, it's absolutely remarkable. It would be a disgrace if he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. And Steve Davis and Al McGregor are walking Halls of Fame. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they definitely have to go in there. So I thought, I thought it was actually quite good to, to do that before. It was a good thing. It was a nice thing. And you're a bit of a, you're, uh, no. you're a happy clapper. If you like a nice thing, <laughs> you're a happy clapper these days. So, you know, it was just because we lost, you know, um, I know. That, that's what it's all about. You know? Well, I, I mentioned it just, just one last point. Um, Brian Ontav, like I said it in the chat yesterday. Some people might think this is a completely ridiculous comparison, right? But I compared it to Harry Kane at Spurs because. Spurs haven't they won a trophy since 2008. Harry Kane is getting numbers for Spurs year in, year out. He's our best player by far. He'll probably need to leave Spurs in order to win a trophy, right? But in order for Spurs to get to the next level, right, which is where we are right now at Rangers, we're trying to get to the next level. Do Spurs get rid of Harry Kane, who's been their best player for the last, you know, seven, eight years? No, you don't do that. You keep the guys in that are getting you the numbers that are having that success because... Look, we can say that Tav's having a bad season. He scored with 10, 11 goals, had numerous assists. That's him having a bad season. Love to see him having a good season. You know, um, this is a guy who gets numbers and people say, oh, he can't defend, he can't do this. I mean, let's be honest, how many goals has Tavenier himself now solely responsible for? I can't really remember any since maybe the first or the second season back up. I think that argument sold. I think it's something that we, we witnessed in the championship that, yeah, fair enough, you know, under Warburton, um, maybe under Pedro, yeah, he was a wee bit shaky, but he's not, him on his own now, he's not giving goals away on his own, you know, and what he brings to the team compared to the negative aspects of it, that you know, the positive ones just completely shoot the negative ones out the window. So, I mean... And that's the thing as well, even if he's no, you know, even if he is a great player, people need to moan about him being the captain as well. It's like, he's the captain, whether you like it or not, it's not going to change. The ca- the manager's not going to change it. He's been the captain for five years now, I think. Um, it's not going to change. So even if we keep moaning all that, all you're doing it, all you're doing is a disservice because 
you're not even going to get the result that you want by moaning all the time anyway. So you can moan. I don't think it's right that people moan about it, but, you know, people are entitled to their opinions. I just don't agree with it. People always love a moan. Especially after an old firm. Everybody wants to come on and give yes. their opinion after an old firm game. You can't see them yes. fucking dust when it comes to St Johnston <laughs> midweek at the end of a dud season, you know what I mean? So, and you thought I was coming on to show off my new burn up. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that came out of the press conference was um, another injury setback for uh, Tom Warrington came around. Now, Alex, it feels like we've been talking about injuries in some form or another all season long. Have we just been a bit unlucky or is this something that the club really needs to look into and address in the summer in terms of the number of injuries we've had and the length of injuries? You know, we've still got Yilmaz out, you know, Suter's been out since the first day of the season. Is this becoming a real problem now that needs addressed? Aye, um, it's probably a bit of both in terms of unlucky and, and a real problem. It's got to the, it's definitely got to the point where it's, aye, this must be a real problem. It used to be the old, uh, the old, have you got an injury? No, no, never had an injury. I'll come to your eyebrows, we'll give you one. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> unbelievable uh, what's happening. It's, uh, Lawrence one, you're only sitting there going, aye, fair enough, that sounds about right. I'm leaving sitting going, oh my God, no, no no, Tom Lawrence as well. You're like, aye, that sounds about right. You know, um, it's it's really bad. It has definitely got to the point. Uh, there's people, what are you thinking? There's, there's something um, kind of infrastructural going on here. There is uh, people out there who know a lot more about these things, injuries and what have you, than, than I do. Um, I maybe get the odd strain going to the fridge for another beer or, a, you know, bit of chocolate or something. But these these boys, it, it just seems... I know a lot of the talk around Lawrence was that the operation he got, the original treatment, you know, should have been different. And that's what's necessitated a second uh, operation. They've been a mistake the first time. But, uh, yeah, there's just so many players. You're doing the old thing. It's actually becoming like, like a, a sick, perverse kind of game of fantasy football where I'm like, I need a right back. I need a, I need a, I need a right back. But from a, my injury, 11, or that's me, I've got, I've got Tom Lawrence in there now, you know, because I just lost Hadji. So Lawrence is definitely in there. I've always got Roof. I've always got Roof playing up front, you know. Uh, John Suter's going to be back. So, you know, I was kind of hoping maybe Ben Davis is going to get injured tomorrow so he can go right back and cover it centre half. You've got a, another 11, at least, that could go out there and form a team that are, that are on uh, the bench. And it's been an absolute killer. The only other thing I can think is see, the, the compressed nature of the Champions League group stages. The Champions League is a, is a brutal, merciless tournament, especially against the group stage, as we know better than anybody else. But to shove it into like three straight, two, I think three weeks, want a break, and all three weeks, they don't usually play it, they don't do it like that. And that totally suits the very biggest clubs uh, the same way as the, the five substitution rule suits us in, in Scotland. Um, even somebody like Victoria Pilsen who are group stage regulars, they ended up being they ended up nearly pipping us for the for the record uh, when we were getting beat off Ajax that night for the worst ever uh, Champions League group stage this season because it's just horrendous on clubs like us um, at, at that kind of level. So that's maybe had a, a negative effect as well, but it's been going on for a bit longer than, than even the Champions League group stages. And I think we're also doing, we're talking about the signing policy earlier, we're doing that kind of suck it and see thing, not just in terms of trying to, you know, loan players. We're also doing it. Alander is the best defender in the country. Roof is the best defender, in the uh, best kind of attacking player in Scotland by a mile. The reason they're at Rangers is because they've got a, a history of injuries. So that's maybe all kind of coming home to roost as well. But yeah, it's it's really concerning. Um, and we need a, a medical expert uh, to tell us exactly how we should go ahead with us, I think. Yeah, definitely. Now, on to the weekend's game, 
Ibrox on Saturday, Kilmarnock. Uh, I was looking at their recent form. Last six domestic games, we've got two wins, three defeats and one draw. We obviously lost Kyle Lafferty in January. He's, he left them. So that would have been a big miss for them. We, we know he, he always poses a threat. Um, we saw from the game at Rugby Park a few weeks back that they're capable of causing us problems. Um, they scored two goals in the night, even though we won 3-2. Um, we'll definitely need a much improved performance, Craig, and you kind of got to think that the team owes a bit of a performance at home now. They do, but as, as I said earlier, just Kilmarnock home or away, just, oh no, it's, uh, it's Kilmarnock and St. Johnson for me. I don't Is even actually think factor for me that really Yeah, well that that doesn't help to be honest. Extra um, horrible. Actually actually on that and speaking of press conferences, so I seen Derek McInnes done his press conference earlier um well it was a couple of days ago and there was a, a headline in one of the, the online papers basically saying that, you know, like but we'll try and get a result against Rangers, but it's going to be difficult. And then the responsible just for a Celtic fan saying, oh, guys have guys thrown in the towel already, this, that, and the next one. I'm like that. Derek McInnes thrown the towel in against Rangers. Have you seen his record against Rangers? Come on. Like, geez, oh, like, mm. but, um, nah, I mean, it will, it will be a tough game. Kelly are always, even before Derek McInnes was there, they're always a tough nut to crack. Now that Derek McInnes is there, they're probably gotten even tougher. The first game we played against him, I think it was August, where Cholak scored. Couldn't have scored in the first half. Um, Cholak gets a breakthrough, maybe about 50-odd minutes in. So they'll, they'll provide tough opposition. You know, they gave Celtic a decent game at, at Parkhead um, a couple of months ago. And then in the semi-final at Hamden, where, you know, Kelly should have at least got the game to extra time in terms of their performance. Um, Celtic scored two goals. You know, the, the first one they scored was the luckiest deflection of Maeda's hand you'll ever see. Um, the second goal, a counter attack after Kelly should have had a penalty. So, um, well, it'll be a tough opposition. You know, we need to come out, we need to put on a show, put on a performance. I don't buy this whole, you know, against Gallagher approach that people have, you know, just throw in all the young players, do this, do that, you know. Can, can you imagine if Michael Beale turned in the round just went, yeah, I'm going to concede the league, but just going to play, you know, this player, this young player, this young player, this young player for the next 12 league games. He'd be absolutely throttled. Like, and, and rightly so, because you don't expect that as a Rangers fan. All that we can do, we've got, I think, 12 league games left. We need to play them. We need to win them all. Um, we'll see what it takes us. At the very least, if we can win all of, or most of those games, you can have small sort of victories as such that can maybe push on to next season. For example, if we can get 12, 12 wins out of 12 going forward, we can say, well, we're unbeaten in the league in, you know, 20-odd games. Um, we're getting momentum building in the league. So there is wee things like that. I know a lot of fans are, you know, they're not going to be bothered in this and the next thing. And, you know, I, I probably won't be that bothered as, as well tomorrow because it's Kelly, but 12 games to go. We need to go and win them all starting tomorrow and we just uh, need to see what it takes us. Yeah. Now, Alex, after the controversy of last weekend's team sheet, surely Raskin and Cantwell need to start? Raskin, definitely Raskin. Raskin's got to start. That's it. That's, a, that's the main thing. Raskin must start, you know. Um, I'm only saying that so I don't get a doing in the in the back of the main stand because you've been, been clapping for too long. The, what's that, mate? You've been clapping for too long, so now you need to I get. I know, happy. 
Happy aye. clapping. Aye, happy clapping. Um, he's he's got to start. Obviously, I don't really I don't really care to be honest. Um, I, I kind of trust Bill to pick out the team he thinks is is best for the job. But uh, the uh, the boo boys, the you know, want to want to string everybody up. They'll be wanting Raskin on for for the start. Um, it just feels a bit like uh, that kind of DD get the bus back for Joker. You know, set up, set up. Whole things are set up. The team that's only won two points on the road all season turn up. At the very time, uh, Michael Beal needs a, a result uh, like never before. But Beal hasn't been kidding himself on in any way. He hasn't been trying to tell anybody that he thinks you know he's doing a fantastic job. He thinks that the, the team are where they should be. I remember even we beat Aberdeen with Pataudry getting the two goals late on in injury time. Um, by the second goal, the first goal, we equalised. You know, everybody's still like a big whoop, you know, still dropping points. Guess the second goal, everybody in Berdham for what I know, was going absolutely mental. But Bill, close up, camera, he's standing at the touchline, he's like, nah, it's not good enough. The performance just wasn't good enough. Same thing, we beat Motherwell 3-0 at Ibrox. Biggest win that he'd had at that point. He, he just basically trashed the way the team had played that night. So it's not like he's kind of being defensive in his press conference yesterday in a way that he, you know, has been forced on him because he's first defeat. He's been like that for the world going. He's very careful to point out last week that no matter what happened in that League Cup final, he was going to have to improve things by 20-25% by the end of the season. So it's going to be the best team he can muster. He really needs this result. And I I think it's, as I say, they need this. This Rangers team need this. It's, it's, it's actually been a compliment to Beal and that team, I think, that every time he's fielded a team in the league, if they drop one point, well, you can't drop one point, if they drop two points or three points, it's done. The throwing away the league has been on Bill since he first arrived. It's been this nine points behind since he came here. Um, so I think it's actually quite amazing that they've kept this, this run going where there's almost a body of opinion that would say, just chuck the league and concentrate and winning the two cups. Well, he can't know anyway. And actually, oh, I also think, had we won last week, we're getting scalped. If we won last Sunday, we're getting scalped at Parkhead um, when we go when we go there in the league. So uh, it might end up working out. We'd actually drew with Celtic in between the two scalpings we got. We went there last season um, under uh, under Geo and we, you know, Sakala equalised and should have should have scored uh, the winner. Really, we we beat them in the Scottish Cup semi final. It's no being. It's either when we lose, it's spectacular. You know, and I'm going on about how we've lost the, the first five goals to Celtic, so I keep harping back to the old firm. That's how everybody else is judging it. In the last five, the last five old firm games, but the, the game before that we scored first. It was Adam Ramsey. We get beat anyway. It's gonna. So Bill is just every time you try to apply a kind of a rubric or a metric as to why they're losing the kit. Rangers, even under Geo, it doesn't work. It's not that. It's not that simple. It's not that straightforward. Um, but the one thing that's really straightforward tomorrow is they they, they have to win this because the place is set to go. Ibrox is set to go mental at Rangers at the best of times, you know, for most home games. Um, but tomorrow will be will be something else. It will be pretty tasty, and uh, I am I'm looking forward to it from a kind of cold, calculated point of view. Like seeing how they react to it, seeing how the players, seeing how they react to it. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. That was a nice segue, Alex. Into my next point. <laughs> Greg, do you think tomorrow's going to be one of those games where in the first 15 minutes we can just tell how this is going to go? I'm also thinking about the atmosphere is going to play its part. We know the fans are probably going to be almost sitting back and waiting to be entertained after the result last weekend. Um, so surely this has got to be one of those ones where we just come out full throttle and try and blow them away in the first half. Yep, but um, will that happen? Come on, look, probably not. <laughs> um, 
you, you know what it's like at Ibrox. I mean, one, I suppose, kind of comparison would have been the Ajax game. Um, I was going up to it, I was just like, we've got nothing to play for here. So the crowd are only going to be with the players tonight. And if we lose an early goal, then you can imagine what's going to happen. I think four minutes in, it took Ajax to score. And then just after that, it was it was like a training match. Um, well, for Ajax, to be fair, no for us. Um, but there was just nothing there. Um, and, I, you know, I fear that, you know, you're going to get something somewhere tomorrow if you don't get that, that fast start, that early start. But, you know... I'd I'd like to be a wee bit more sort of optimistic, so to speak, or um, realist in a way, in the sense that I'm not going to go out and beat Coman like five or six now tomorrow. Um, might put it on my coupon, you know, because I'm I'm good at losing money on them. But um, when do we ever come out and beat Coman like you know four, five, six now at home when we should be doing? It never happens, especially when Derek McInnes is a manager. So people think it's going to happen tomorrow, you know. I mean, obviously, I hope it happens, but I, I can't see it. I can see it being maybe a 2 now. I can see he's getting maybe a first-half goal, second-half goal, game's done. Kelly will be happy to, to lose only by the two. Up you go. Um, you know, so ideally, yes, we do want a fast start. We do want the players to be up this and the next thing. And by the way, if we do get that fast start, if we do score a lot of goals and put in a great performance, then... Well, brilliant because you know that's this is one of the games that you don't usually get that from but it's not something that I'm expecting um, but what I expect and what the Ibrox crowd expects are, are clearly two very different things Brian Yeah I'm going to take that uh, to acknowledge your prediction Craig so um, but, uh, lastly I'll ask uh, Alex um, you got a prediction? Uh, no, I, I, five nine, six nine so that's, uh, oh, uh, I think it's going to be like 2011 last year. I, mean, I was got a different for Craig when we're playing Ajax. I was thinking we need to win this to avoid the worst ever Champions League uh, record. That's something serious to play for, but that's the way it's been going at Rangers. We're playing for you know less negative than more positive. Um, but the one thing I think I remember when Gio got pumped for you on half Celtic uh, Park, uh, the next game was Hearts at Ibrox and we beat them 5 nothing. And it was like, that's right, right, that's they've learned their lessons. That's, fin- that's fantastic. Um, and it didn't really work out. I think they beat Hibs quite kind of going to 2-0 in the next next game. So even, they're on a hiding to nothing tomorrow. And I think they need to go through that, this team. Or Beal women needs to go through it. They need to kind of experience that. Even if they go out and they, they win, you know, 3 or 4 nothing, they'll have a convincing win. It'll still be, well, that's just a reaction to last week. And we've got an absolute belter coming up. As Craig says, Kilmarnock, McInnes, always really difficult. But then we've got, um, we've got Hibs at Easter Road uh, on Wednesday so they've got a couple of uh, real testers if there's any kind of feeling that you know that, that's that these players are done you know the players themselves feel you know that Bale's no the man for them or they really are throwing the towel in we'll definitely see it it'll definitely come come to pass in, in this next two games but the one thing I would definitely like to see is, is Rangers going out there and uh, battling in a couple of goals early tomorrow, finally doing that thing of starting a game, starting a game fast. They're doing that thing of when they score a goal, they score a quick second. They're doing that in quite a few of the games under Beal. Mm. Um, but then it just, it, just it, 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 it fades out. It fades out. I know, I, I mean, it'd be nice to have that on Sunday. But um, I I just want to see uh, a good response. And I think I'll, I'll, I'll go 3 nothing. One thing, sorry, just before you get in, Brian, and this is obvious, right, but... We cannot drop points tomorrow. And I don't say that in the pure obvious or Rangers at home, you can't be dropping points anyway. We know that. I just mean in terms of where this group is and 
you know, because what we've seen this season anyway is that when you get one bad result, you get a bunch of bad results right after it. You know, we've seen it um, dropping points, well, not dropping points, whatever, we get beaten every game in the Champions League, get, like getting beat midweek in the Champions League, going on to a, a weekend game and no picking up the points, and then it kind of, you know, that that's got, um, you know, that snowball effect from the home game against Livingston, where we dropped points there. I think we won the next game or two. Then it was um, St. Johnson, Hearts at home, obviously. We won that narrowly. And then St. Marin away that, that got Gio the chop. So we've seen these players this season anyway. As soon as we get one defeat or one bad result, it rolls into two or three. That simply cannot happen. And, you know, I have said there doesn't to be a clear and we want you players, but if the players can can show the next two games, get get two results. Not really going to be that concerned about the performances in the next couple of games. We can hope for that against against Rafe in the Cup next week. But these next two games, just go out, win them, and at least show that you can come back from a really bad result in two difficult games and show the mentality to go and get two results. And I think that would be a, a wee feather in Michael Beale's cap anyway. Oh, you could also say that uh, they've been winning all their games except the two against Celtic. You know, they won every single game. So it's like, you know, maybe part of the stress test if the league's by way anyway is maybe to, if they lose one of these games and see how they react. Like you're saying, Craig, there's that kind of, that run they've been on, uh, this this group of players, when they do lose one, it goes south, you know, because mm. you're looking at this, you know, I know what you're saying, maybe it's an extension of the Giovanni Van Bronckhurst new manager bounce is, you know, he what, seven, eight games in the trot, he won the league. And then it all went south. Maybe this is we're going to find out if this is the moment for Beal. So maybe last week is the game that they lost. Um, or it's going to be the morrow, it's going to be Wednesday and see how they go after that. The thing for me is he's never won in daylight, you know. Doesn't he win doesn't he win games in daylight? It's always in the dark. Anytime that game's played in complete daylight or sunshine, Michael Beale doesn't he win, you know. That's the one. It's the the nights are getting lighter. Could this be he's actually a vampire? <laughs> Thanks for leaving us on that cheery note, Alex. Um, right, guys, I think we'll call it time there. Um, a big thanks to both my guests, Alex and Craig. Great insight, as always. Um, as well as being live tonight, the show will also be available on all podcast, all podcasting platforms, your usual iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher. Um, and we would ask that you leave us a rating on your preferred podcasting app. Um, the pod will be back in our usual Sunday evening slot to look back on all the action from the weekend's match. Until next time, guys, bye for now.